SEN Central. Brought to you by TAP. Long may we play. Gamble responsibly. Gambler's Help, 1800 858 858. Plenty to talk about in uh, the sport of harness racing here on RSN Central. It's 11.37 and it's time for gate speed. Blake Redden and Jason Bonington, good morning. Gareth, how are we? Good, good morning, thank Gareth. You. Lovely to be with you. It's been a big, big day. Um, we've had the draws for the Oaks and the Derby. We'll have a, a chat about that in just a moment. Um, some big news in New South Wales. Shane and Lauren Tritton um, sent out a press release basically saying that they are packing up shop around May of this year and they're heading to America to start their careers over there. So leaving Australian harness racing and New South Wales especially and heading to the States. Shane Tritton joins us on the line to talk about this decision. Shane, good morning. G'day, mate. How you going? Good, thank you. When did you start to think about this? Oh, look, um, probably days of arms of an angel was the, was the, was the laying of the seed. But, um, look, we've been a, it's been a battle for, for a number of years in this, you know, in this sport to, to try and justify, you know, you know, the fact that we can stay successful for a long period of time. And it's always been exciting to, to try new things. Obviously, my dad's in America, and he's quite successful, and we talk a lot. And, you know, we Lauren sort of always loved to, to try it as well. And I guess it all just sort of one day fell into place, and we decided, you know, let's see if we can give it a crack. So how many horses will you take over to the States, and where will you train out of? So at the moment, we're up to about probably 10 to 12 that we're taking at the moment. Um, we're going to go and train at a place called Pinebush where my dad's located in a training centre there. So we're sort of going to kick off. Um, it's about an hour north of sort of Yonkers and the Meadowlands. So uh, it's a good spot and it sort of gives me and Lauren a bit of an advantage that we've got someone there that's sort of been there and done it before and been there for a lot of years with good success and he can kind of guide us in the right ways to go about things and yeah, so hopefully, um, yeah, it's a lot of work to do. It's very, very stressful trying to get all this organised. But, yeah, to, we just wanted to let everyone know that the decision is made and, and we've just got to work towards the, the goal of getting there now. Jason Bonington and Blake Redden are with me as well. They might have a couple of questions for you, Shane, and they might ask you, if you're leaving New South Wales, you should have come to Victoria, Jason. Oh, look, uh, I enjoy my time down here in Victoria, but I'm, I'm not saying that Shane and Lauren should come. I've read the press release a few times uh, that you sent out, and you've been magnificent right throughout the training career, Shane, in terms of sending out that correspondence to owners and those people associated with the stable. But you do make a pretty special point of suggesting that uh, administration right around Australia need to lift their game to try and keep people like you, you know, in here in Australia and also um, in a situation where perhaps they can um, they can make a little bit more money and not be uh, scratching around to survive. But it's... It's not a simple issue, is it? Would you have two or three things right now that you would like to see instituted? It's too late for you because you're already making the move to North America, but if you believe that other people are going to make a similar move, give us two or three things that you would change if you were in charge. Yeah, look, um, there's, there's one particular thing that has been a real battle of the Trainers and Owners Association in New South Wales, that we try to bring in a starter fee for trainers as same as the drivers get and it, it, what it meant was and it may not have made a big difference for me because we're a successful stable and we we make our share of prize money but we've got too many trainers that go around every week running sort of fourth to tenth that go home with no money at all and, and as much as they may get paid to train those horses but most people do it for cost and they they literally don't get paid for the job they do so you know I think that's a starting point I think people need to be paid to just to turn up, just like the drivers do, just like the stewards do, just like the administrators do. So I think that 
is the first step that harness racing could do to make the biggest difference that mm. this sport would have ever seen to actually pay people to participate and that way you don't have to be successful to be guaranteed to put money on the table and put food for your family every week so I, t- I think yeah. i think that's a huge one um look everything else it's tough and i'm not blaming anyone for anything but i just think the the ball has been dropped when it comes to worrying about the people that survive on this industry financially and that that you know we worry about owners and everyone which is majorly important but the fact of the matter is there is people like us that train and drive and farriers and things that just rely purely financially on harness racing and you know it's, it's very tough and you know we, we it may not be any better in america but we certainly need to to try and hopefully the administrators can say well look we should have done more to try and keep them and hopefully they can stop the next people from walking away from the sport if, if that's what has to happen. How long do you plan to be over in the States for, Shane? Look, we've got a visa for three years. Um, we're not sure. It obviously depends on the success we have and, and how well we go and the owners we, we can conjure up and keep keep motivated. So it, it, that's, the, that's the yardstick. And look, um, my dad left <laughs> something it was nearly 20 years ago and he hasn't come back. So hopefully mm. we can be successful. But end of the day, um, this is just the starting point. Well, the best of luck, and hopefully you can win a Miracle Mile before you leave. Mate, that'd be nice. We've certainly had a few cracks, but I'm just not sure I've got the horsepower at the moment. But uh, yeah, but oh, we might sneak one in. We always generally do. Thanks for that, Shane. Thanks, mate. There's Shane Tritton. Big news today, one of the leading trainers in New South Wales and this country packing up shop and heading to the States. Jason, did that surprise you? Oh, I mean, you're always surprised when, when when something like that actually happens. But I think most people have known, uh, with Peter Tritton over there, that Shane's father, of course, in North America, that it was always potentially on the cards. But it's one of those things when it doesn't happen week in, month out, that you think to yourself, maybe it won't happen. Yeah. But I guess the stable's not as strong. Just for the uninitiated, Gareth, and I'm sure you were aware of this, and no doubt Bakes is as well here, but... The model of, of, of how they get their income, their, their, their streams of revenue in the United States and in North America are very different to ours. So we rely on the punt. Well, I think most people know that. Victoria and Australia rely on the punt. Over there, they rely on the punt, but a different type of punt bakes. It's done mostly on gaming machines and slots, as they call them in North America. They actually have a lower national turnover on harness racing than we do so while i agree with shane to some degree you can always do better i've got personally great confidence particularly here in victoria with the new chief executive dale brown that um that the sport is going to go on an up uh, an onward and upward spiral but there are obstacles there are challenges and there are limitations bakes which means it's not it's not so simple as that, you know, we can go out there and, and uh, you know, make sure tomorrow that every single person in the game is looked after the way they deserve to be because, unfortunately, like life, harness racing isn't 100% fair. Yep. No, I think you've summed it up pretty well, Bon, and obviously interesting times in America with um, sports betting being legalised across many states and how that's going to affect, the you know, the gaming areas and, and tracks and whatnot. So, um, yeah, time will tell how it goes for Shane and Lauren, but... Hopefully they have some success over there. He makes a good point, and I've argued this point for a long, long time, is that, and they did it over in the West, they pay back to last for the owners. So you could finish $100 or you get $200 back. And if you're in a syndicate, who cares? Like, it's $20. Not even that. That money should go to the trainers. So you encourage young trainers to go and get new owners, and if you take four or six horses to the track, you're coming home with $600 so you can pay your farrier, you can pay your staff. 
um, and you can make a living if you're if you're taking horses to the track. So I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of of paying the trainers as well. Oh, it's a complex it, issue. It, it, it is a complex issue because owners how's it complex? Get, uh, owners don't get paid owners' fees and drivers don't get paid no. drivers' fees until they actually drive. Whereas trainers get paid training fees to, just to train the horse. So to say that they're not getting they're not getting any compensation for their participation is actually erroneous. It's not that's not the case. So I understand that the, the case that Shane is making, and I think it's definitely one of many things that should be explored as a concept, but I will say that it's probably not 100% accurate to say that trainers are not getting anything for participating in the industry because they're getting paid training fees. And, and they'll say that it doesn't cover costs, but that's one of the issues is that if if you are having syndicates and whatnot these days, well, it, you should be charging full price for, for your services. Yeah. And, and if you don't believe you can, well, maybe it's because... You know, there might be a number of reasons for it, but communication and, and making sure that you're working with the owner is, is a good way to be able to tell them this is what it costs and this is how much you have to pay to have a horse with us. There's plenty of topics that we could debate on that side of the, the fence when it comes to harness racing, but let's talk about what's been happening on the track. Five things we learnt. Point number one, AG pulls up his socks for his Aussie's de- Aussie debut. He leads all of the way. He was nearly the winner a long way from home after that first half, Jason, that Greg Sugar stole at Bray Pace- Paceway there on Saturday night. He kind of did. I reckon it was the lead time that he really stole, 121, 481, 4. So that, that was where I think... Uh, well, it was two seconds slower than line-up Starby. Correct. So the Candyman actually won the race there because then he got rolling, actually. They broke 30 seconds for the first two quarters of the final mile and then zipped home in an exceptionally fast final half. So it was actually... I think everyone went to sleep a little bit once AG's White Sox found the front. And we, we sort of half predicted this, that if Code Bailey was the one to go up and occupy the breeze, he was the only horse that might have a little bit of intimidation factor to preclude Natalie Rasmussen or Mark Purd making a mid-race charge with Chase Auckland or self-assured. And that's how it panned out. As it turned out, Code Bailey ran a really good race. But you, you would imagine... Look, you can't have your time over again. Would, would, if self-assured had made the, made the move, would, he, would the breeze have been available? I, I, I don't know, but certainly it was a great drive by Greg Chuggies. But a, a real reward for this horse and for Greg and Nina Hope, who um, he went through the doldrums. He was a proper Group 1 horse earlier in his career. Then he went through that lull, had a terrific Inter-Dominion series, and he's come here for his first trip to Australia. This is more than pri- uh, paid for the... For the, for the adventure of coming to Australia. And now he's going to be a major player in the handicap. And the more I've looked at the race, even though Chase Auckland and Self Assured were unlucky bakes, I reckon it was a pretty meritorious win. And I don't see, under similar circumstances, why he can't potentially win the Hunter Cup oh, as well. Yeah, no, I think he, he had a few favours. I mean, he's... No one's arguing he had a few favours. Yeah, I don't think he'd get it so soft the in time, the Cup. The time no. was okay. The time was... The, no, he might not get it as soft, but... He, he's how did he go in the Inter Dominion when the he, pressure was on? He, if it's Chase Auckland, if he was in the breeze, would he just be out toughing him? He'd monster him. Oh, He'd Chase Auckland, no, no way, Blake. Chase Auckland's a dead set sit sprinter. Well, he's only got true. a furlong in him. And now, did you see the Methven Cup, Gareth? Um, yeah, but in this class, yeah, but this is in, in his class. He's more that Cambridge sprint type of horse. Yeah, when I, he's just I, saved for one last crack, he's, he's been, led in the Inter Dominion yeah. heat over the short trip and got beat. 
Yeah. Oh well, I I don't think he's. Uh, you know. Anyway, we can, we can argue all day about Chase. Oh, Auckland, I will, I will, look, yeah. Chase Auckland's run was very good, but I, I think I'm with you there, Gareth. I think that, that they Mark and Nat are both pretty convinced that he, particularly over a long trip, he has to be called up and come with one run. And that's what they did. Circumstances didn't work out perfectly for him, but he is a horse, I think, who needs fortune at Group 1 level, particularly over a trip. Okay. Point number two. So just having a look at the Hunter Cup market just quickly, horses that we want to be backing for the Hunter Cup, which is a couple of weeks out, too short AG's White Sox at 3.5. Chase Auckland's too short for a sit sprinter at 3.5. The Fix is too short at 4. Mark Shard's too short at nine. I think Bling It On, Code Bailey, Elder Alano might be worth a pun each way. Well, yeah, I can't agree there, Gareth. I think I think Chase Auckland and the Fixer are, are clearly the dominant two there, Bon, and uh, while the others on their day could potentially but do something. they're too short, Blake. No, nah, they're not. Absolutely no. not. I, th- I think it's the, probably it's the nature, obviously, of... Um, fixed odds markets for pre-nominated races. They're a waste all, of time. Almost always you can't bet into yeah. them. The fixer should be favourite and a clear favourite. Tell me tells is in this market and unfortunately she's broken her leg so she won't be going around no. if you want to have a bet on her. But um, I, you look, if I was going to have a bet on one, you might say potentially uh, Alter Orlando because you know over in New Zealand he was pretty much as good as these horses. He's done a terrific job since coming over to Australia and I think there's... A pretty solid form line coming out of the Shelley Turnbull Memorial because our Uncle Sam's run a couple of really good races here. Um, you can get my field marshal the other night. So if Alter Orlando brings his best form, the thing we found out on Saturday night yet again, as we so often do, is the Group 1 horses performing Group 1 races. There were only four or five Group 1 winners in the field, and they've occupied the first three or four positions. So, Well, they occupied the first four out of five positions. So, Alter Orlando's a Group 1 horse. If you want to have a little lash, I won't be, but if you want to have a little lash, the 13's okay. Okay, let's have a chat about point number two. The Derby Shock has favourites on the brink of basically being non-existent. Yeah, well, uh, that will likely be the case. I think we're all um, expecting with Be Happy Mac, the emergency drawn barrier 11, uh, will he get bottom, a start? Well, I mean, I don't think he will. Bar- I don't mm. think he will. No. He's being backed. We won't. We won't know. Hundred percent. And this is no ducks and drakes and and uh, and no obfuscation, so to speak. But can you we use won't... words we can understand, Jason? Well, Gareth, if you want to come, we'll we'll, we'll do a vocabulary <laughs> test. Um, that we know. Uh, we won't know until Saturday. Will yeah. We? There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Keep it simple. Um, so, who wins the derby? Our lineup wins the derby. I reckon. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have him on top. I think Mac Dan's being disrespected at forty-one dollars. I, unfortunately, I was on there doing the draw, but I, I would have loved to snap up the fifty-ones. I'm, I'm still happy to have something twenty-six at uh, the twenty-six dollars each way on Bad of the Bone. He's he ha, his form lines are at least as good. They're actually superior to line up in New Zealand. Uh, he's a sit sprinter, and normally when the big race comes around, Barry Purden has pr- produced him to to uh, deliver some really big performances. He'll be three poles, but you know, Gareth, over a long trip, particularly in a three-year-old race, three poles is not the worst place why, to be for a sprinter. Why wouldn't Soho Hamilton, who's drawn Barry number one, lead all of the way? When I watch him race, he's such a big, strong type of horse. And, of course, he's the brother to Soho Tribeca. Now, they're not sit sprinters. They're horses that need to roll along in front. No, I reckon at this stage of his career, I don't no think... No way. You've got to hold the front. He's not the finished product. And if you've watched Line Up Race, I can tell you one thing. If Soho I have watched Hamilton, him race. If Soho Hamilton tried to hold... Line Up gets fierce, and he will 
with all due respect to Soho Hamilton, who I think is a winning hope if he's behind the leader, I reckon that lineup will absolutely obliterate Soho Hamilton and may upend his own chances as well. As well, so I I think that Soho Hamilton is far better. He's actually got really good high speed, very good high speed, and uh, the, the family are not known just for their strength, but also for their ability to reel off a sectional. So I think he'd be way better off being behind the leader, Soho Hamilton. That way okay. he can win the race, trying to lead all the way he can't. All right, then point number three: the Oaks goes to script with Memphis, favoured for the final, and. She was, not anymore not, after the no, Barry draw. Dr. Susan, Barry number five at 2.5. Stylish Memphis at $2.80. I think Dr. Susan, hard to beat from that draw, probably leads and nearly wins. Oh, I think it leads, um, Bakes, but Stylish Memphis has beaten Dr. Susan, I think, just about every time they've ever met. Uh, and the thing about, we discussed this during the Barry draw, discussed it with Adam Hamilton, that there's going to be no one holding out Stylish Memphis from the breeze. Now, I know she's not known as a quote-unquote breeze filly, but... This isn't the strongest Oaks of all time. And if she's up outside Dr. Susan after about six or 700 metres, then basically they're running the same race. I know it's slightly easier to be on the pegs, but they could pair off. And I think that Dr. Susan doesn't have the class of... He won't Stolish hand Memphis. up this week, will he? No, or you wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine no. so. But having said that, I just think Stolish Memphis is the superior animal. And you will find, just as you do in thoroughbred Oaks, that the superior animal normally wins these classic spikes. Yeah, I reckon there's a bit to play out early doors with Amelia Rose drawn in front of Margita. Wouldn't be surprised if Amelia Rose tried to use her gate speed early and, and that would, you know, put Margita in front of a couple at least. So that's uh, that's something to look out for. But I, I thought Good Faith was as good as anything in the heats. I know Barrier 4 is a bit awkward on paper, but she's $8 a play, so I can't see why she went mm. on really well. Okay, point four. Trotter's put on an epic... Um preview of the great southern star and i thought it was just a terrific race wasn't it it was a sterling jewel dance craze taking on the the proven champ who just couldn't get past her at the end of the day bakes like this is this was what we actually needed heading towards the great southern star we're going to get another preview with the dullard cut where oscar bonavina is going to turn up and a couple of others massive massive metro as well temporale from new zealand but tornado valley is the king of Australian square gating. Dance Craze is the queen. And if Tornado Valley had won again, then I think people would have started to think, well, there's a king and there's a princess. But by her beating him again for the second time this preparation, it sort of builds the anticipation of the rivalry continuing with the added elements of horses like Oscar Bonavina and co for the Great Southern Star. Yeah, well, I mean, Tornado Valley was outstanding. He continued to try all the way to the line, but... She just was a little bit too good getting down to the pegs, probably what won her the race when Chiron galloped. But don't forget the run of Wobbly. I mean, it was his first crack at this sort of level, and he couldn't have gone any bigger. He was he was outstanding. I thought he was, was going to win when he was tracking him in, and he was just sitting there behind He'll be him, much better for the he'll be, he'll be better, He will be better for the experience, Wobbly. Okay, and point number five, Mighty Conqueror returns to his best for the WA Pacing Cup glory. Now, <laughs> this now, one for you, Gary. Yeah, now, you, you, you sprooked him on... Uh, yeah, he's, when, he's uh, not, when, when, you know what? You know, I'll, I'll put my hand up and say yeah. I made a mistake. He's not as good as I thought he could. <laughs> um, he bet a fair field, to say the least, in the well, WA Shockwave Pacing win, Cup. Gareth? He was going to win by about the length of the straight. And once again, I'll put my hand up, unlike Jason Bonington, and say that I got it wrong. <laughs> that Shockwave, Blake... When you pointed out that he's a serious horse, I probably had in the back of my mind when I saw him as a non-winner, as a two and three-year-old, he just didn't not he just wouldn't go past horses at stages shockwave. But the job that Ryan Bell's done with his horse now has been enormous. Now he would have won, and he would have won. Let's be honest, Gary Hall Jr. stuffed it up. 
he locked wheels. <laughs> and Junior needs to be better than that. And he made a mistake on the big stage. And I think he did put his hand up and say, I doesn't made that mistake. Many. He doesn't make many. And he's won many a big group one race because of his brilliance. But... Um, he was incompetent there on Friday night, locking wheels. <laughs> I've, got, I've actually, I've actually got another bone to pick with your mate Gary, Gary Hall Jr. <laughs> he wrote on on Twitter the other day that a steward shouldn't uphold a protest unless they're one hundred percent sure. Yes, that's right. Now, how on earth can you be one hundred percent sure that something that hasn't happened would definitely happen under different circumstances? Well, that's the whole idea of a protest. That no, you, it's not. You think... No, it's not. It's, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Yes, it's, it can't. You, you can't be one. That's like. That's like when you when you're doing a review of the race and saying something wouldn't would have won if it hadn't galloped or it hadn't locked yeah. wheels. You can never be a hundred percent sure that that would have happened, Gareth. No. So so Gary Hall Jr., you're a wonderful driver, you're one of the best, but, but he's not that you've smart, got two wax yeah. on Central today on Gates. Um and he listens to this show anyway. Good morning, Junior. Hey hey Blake, just a quick one here. Um, I think Shockwave can be really competitive when he when he heads across to that New South Wales carnival. Like off the like following a quick a quick speed and angle if he can handle that track I think he's nearly one of the most improved horses in this country I, I love it I'm, I think you, he'll you suit Menangle over. you make a, you, you, you talk so much more sense than your colleague <laughs> well we try Gareth he's but, tipping uh... San Carlo probably for the Hunter Cup is he <laughs> Did, Where is San Carlo? He's not the Casey Classic. No, he's going to go around at Mildura's a little. Really? Will he be in the Hunter Cup? For the, for, he'll be in the Hunter Cup. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Jason's pinup horse in the middle of the carnival is heading to Mildura. How, how, how about Gareth, who's, who's yeah, one of the eight towns he's from, is Mildura. He's actually laughing at Mildura now. <laughs> no, so, the, so, so the people in the Sunraysia. You've not only been abandoned by your poster boy, Gareth, but he's now laughing at you. No, I'm not. I'm laughing at he should be racing at Melton on Saturday night instead of at Mildura in an open-class event. I love Mildura, and I love the Cup Carnival. Do you agree with me, Blake? (laughs) No, I agree. Well, I mean... If he, he, like, Jason's pin-up horse on the big stage, he's, he's gone out to play reserves when he should be playing in the seniors. Yeah, it doesn't look... It's. I mean, Nothing against Mildura. I love Mildura. As long as they get the job done, I suppose, on Hunter Cup night, but you'd probably prefer to see him in the Casey Classic. You, 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 I don't, you, you know I don't what know point much, I'm trying to make, Jason? Uh, I do, mate, but I'll, look, at the end of the day... You don't. You agree he, or disagree? He's had a lot of hard runs. I, I, I actually don't see any point for why yeah. you would want to go around necessarily, if, if particularly if you think the horses had a couple of hard runs. You can't be in everything. And we Why not it. go in fresh, Bond? Don't you reckon yeah. he's a good fresh horse? Well, this wouldn't be actually fresh, would it? But I, I actually, I've made this point a couple of times that it's I reckon... It's about a five-hour flight trip from Shepparton to Mildura as well. Is San Carlo... That's going to be the problem with Inter Dominion next year, maybe. Uh, I reckon San Carlo, if he's going to now, in the twilight of his career, get another reasonably big race win, I'd like to see him going completely fresh, but that's not going to be mm. an option for the Hunter Cup, I'm now, afraid. I'm not trying to tell Steve... Donna how to train, he knows how to train a lot better than I. Um, but I but in in Steve's defence, he might be thinking, as you pointed out, Jason, he's run so many mighty races doing plenty of work and his form's tapered off, let's be honest, over the last month or so. But this could just be a confidence boosting trip to Mildura. Is that how you see it? Well, the, the thing is that it was, a, it was an enormous run, a massive run, a gargantuan run on the Bendigo Cup. And then he, he obviously, well, it certainly appeared as though he raced a little bit flat at uh, Shepparton for his he got hometown beat a long feature. way in the Bendigo Cup, like everyone else, really. Yeah, but they went 54-9. Yeah. He was outside the leader and he beat, and he beat the, the overwhelming majority of the field home. So, I mean, they went 54-9 in the Bendigo Cup. They went 56 56- one in the Ballarat Cup, so they've gone 1.2 seconds faster. He's been in the breeze and done an enormous job, but 
He's been to war a lot of times, and I don't mind the idea of taking him up for what is basically a trial for a bit of cash at Mildura. Yeah, I've got a bone to pick with you two, you two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The barrier draws, gate speed, why wouldn't they be announced on this show? Great question. Instead of mean? sky racing to... at 9.30 in the morning when you probably get more people listening to this show, Jason. Any Jeez, chance? Good question. Good I, question. I, oh, look, I, I just think that um, I, I think that it's a great opportunity. We don't get a lot of opportunities to do things on uh, Sky 1 because you're such a magnanimous and generous person <laughs> because you're such a lover of the trots. You give us so many opportunities, Gareth, but unfortunately loyalty in this game is in short supply and so when we get the chance to be on the Red Channel... At 9.30 in the morning, who's watching? Unless you're uh, back, bet- if you, unless you're betting in America. Well, I, I reckon, I, I reckon, sad, sadly or fantastically, I reckon a lot of people probably are watching at nine thirty in the morning. That's the and certainly Ben. Well, Ben Way's on for a start. So oh, why, he is, why isn't Why would he? you tune in to watch Ben Way? What a handsome man! Thank you, boys. We'll catch Thanks, up. Gary. There's a big announcement, in fact, I think on RSN Central regarding the trots on Thursday, and we have a big competition that we're going to organise as well that will be something a little bit different. I'm looking forward to having some fun with this, which we'll have to start next week. But I can't give too much away. Text us later, Gareth. Tell us what it is. Uh, Blake, you should know about it. Um, Jason knows about it, but I'll tell you a little later on. All right. Always a pleasure, boys. So who are we backing first of all, Oaks and and Derby? I want to have something. I reckon Stolish Memphis get on now because she's only shortened for the Oaks. You've both got $100. Uh, For both races? Yes. 100 straight out on Stolish Memphis. And in the the Derby, I'm going to have 20 by 80 on Bad of the Bone. I'm having 20 by 80 on Mac Dan and Good Faith. All right, then I like Blake a little bit of value. Jason, good punting. Bugger off, yeah. <laughs> right. There's Jason Boddington and Blake Redden.